Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with you with Gary Gagliardi, and his websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Gary, do you think successful generals like George Patton, for example, may have read The Art of War? Almost certainly. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, it's taught in the uh, United States Military Academies. And uh, going all the way back to Napoleon, that was supposedly the first person that studied The Art of War. Interesting. In the West, yeah. that is. You translation was a French translation brought back by the Jesuit missionaries. That's back in the 1700s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, like 18, yeah, 1700s, right. It was 17, whatever. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. 1772. (laughs) I've done my homework for you, Gary. Good job. Good job. You have said that. uh, Go ahead. But the point is that it's not only about war. It's about how you manage human hierarchies, you know. The idea that Sun Tzu taught was that a good general doesn't fight a hundred battles and win a hundred battles. A good general finds a way to win without fighting a single battle. And the I, way you I do like that, that is develop positions where people don't want to fight you and instead they want to join you. They want to support you. That's a good point too. You say that the English translations of uh, the book, including your own, may be misleading. Tell me about that. Well, um, a lot of the English translations, any, any translation done before 1970 is going to be incomplete. But, you know, the Sun Tzu's work was banned. It was passed down through the aristocratic families. There were seven different versions. You know, the early English translations all came at the end of the 18th century, the beginning of the, uh, excuse me, the end of the tw- 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century. And they were all from fragmentary versions. The first complete version wasn't put together till 1970 in Taiwan, and uh, there have only been a few translations of that version, minus one of them, but all of them are misleading just simply because they're done in the context of war and people read them that way. Um, the uh, um, book is really not about fighting. It's about the human psychology that helps us understand our competitive position and how to advance it. Um, you know, we uh, uh, read these translations, and I'll tell you, I did, did it myself when I first read it, and I read it as fighting, and I read it as battling, and I read it as, you know, the kind of, you know, stuff you have to do to, to take somebody else's position. But what the book really teaches is how to develop positions of your own where you don't have to fight people, where you move into openings where people not only uh, let you move up in the hierarchy, but they actually help you and support you in moving up. And that's what Sun Tzu's book taught. He taught that, you know, if, if an actual battle where people are killed takes place, well, there's a mistake that's been made. Aha, uh-huh. that's a good point. Both generals thought they could win, and at least one of them is wrong, and probably both of them are wrong, because they're both going to suffer more than they, they need to by choosing to fight one another. His idea of winning was cooperation, wasn't it? Exactly. People think that, that competition is the opposite of cooperation, but... In reality, competition is required to create competition because you can't compete with everybody. You have to choose who you're going to cooperate with and how, and uh, that means that you have competing alternatives. And anytime there's a choice to be made, that's when competition takes place. Competition is really making a choice. And, uh, you know, it's true in, in sports, you work those choices out by people playing on the field, but in human minds, who they choose to support 
has to be worked out in your head. You know, the army that wins is the army that has the most support from their people, from their country, from their soldiers, you know, and Sun Tzu taught that size wasn't strength. What is strength, great strength is unity and focus. And that's, uh, you know, what most people lack today is unity and focus. They aren't focused. And they, you know, a lot of people don't have any goals. And, you know, the workers really want about human psychology and uh, the fact that our competitive positions are what we're trying to maintain, and those positions only exist in human minds. And you say his works basically can be used in uh, personal relationships, parenting, all kinds of things. I, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I've done, yeah. The, it's funny because at first I was doing this only in business because that's where my reputation sure. was. And I had some success because I built an Inc. 500 company and it was known for that. But then I, I got cancer and uh, I went through treatment and all this stuff. And I saw that people you know, were literally dying because they didn't know how to make good decisions. They didn't know how to weigh their alternatives. They didn't know how to get information. They didn't know how to position themselves to survive. And uh, so I began to change my focus and uh, began writing books about personal relationships. I, you know, had a terrible first marriage and a great second marriage. And so I'd learned about that. And in my second marriage, I was using Sun Tzu's ideas and about parenting and about, you know, helping kids, you know, manage through school and things like that. And, you know, I ended up writing a book called The Golden Key to Strategy that won the Ben Franklin Award as the best uh, self-help psychology book of the year. And, you know, it was you know, a very rewarding thing to go through something like cancer and realize that I could help other people other than just business people. Is that why you've kind of disappeared over the last several years? Was it that? <laughs> well, um. I really stopped doing my formal training about five years ago. And, you know, I'd done, I, in the software business of my, my company, I've worked with, I have, I have a short attention span. It lasts about 15 years. <laughs> and uh, I did, I did software for about 15 years. And, uh, and when I made my money there, I could have obviously started other software. Sure. It was 1990s when I sold my company and I'd been very successful and I could have done more of that, but I had enough money that I wasn't worried about, I could do anything I wanted. And so I really love Sun Tzu. So I did that for about 15 years. And after, you know, my, my, my books, I've won a number of awards. I traveled the world. My books have been tra- translated all over the world. I, I, I got to, uh, you know, meet and work with, you know, the world's leading organizations and great people all over the world. You know, we had trainers at one point all over the world using my stuff. And, but after a while, you know, I, I'd been there and done that. And, uh, it just, you know, it got to be too much like work. And uh, I've always been a pretty lazy fellow. And, uh, you know, I, I still want to help people. But uh, the sons, as far as traveling around and doing all the work I was doing, promoting and stuff, I just didn't didn't have the uh, fire in the belly to do it. Everybody needs a mission, you know. In sure. Life. Absolutely. And I think the big problem with most people is they don't have a mission. And, you know, the, the chemicals that keep track of our natural hierarchies, you know, the chemicals that, that uh, you know, give us satisfaction really depend upon us having a mission because when we get satisfaction is when we're moving toward our mission and uh, moving toward our goals. You've got to be making progress to those goals. When you attain certain goals, and, you know, I did probably everything I could do in the world of software and then in the world of Sun Tzu, and I, I never had a goal to be a billionaire or anything. I 
I just was interested in these ideas and uh, um, I didn't have any more goals there. So I wanted, you know, I wanted to get into something new. I always am looking for something new. And uh, the uh, Sun Tzu stuff, I, I'm still working on it. As a matter of fact, I'm doing a, a new translation, I think, to, to uh, you know, I understand it a lot more today than I did 20 years ago when I did my translation, 1999, not quite 20 years ago, but a little more than that. But uh, the uh, uh, I'll do a new translation of that at some point, but I'm not doing all the traveling work that I used to do. How many times do you have to read the book, The Art of War, before you get it? I don't think reading the book, unless you can read Chinese, is going to do it for you. Um, I think what you ha- I, I, I read, I read not only, I read probably six or seven translations, and I was kind of confused because they were all different. They're all different, um, exactly. When I was starting, when I was working in business and trying to use these ideas in business, and I didn't really understand it until I started trying to teach other people these ideas. And it was really in teaching that, that I really kind of came closer to mastering them. But then I taught myself ancient Chinese and started studying the original work. And the original work is kind of magical. It's, it's uh, China, ancient Chinese isn't like, a, isn't a spoken language. It's like a conceptual language. It's like, uh, it's like mathematical formulas. You know, reading Sun Tzu is more like reading Euclid than it is like reading a self-help book. And, uh, you know, the, the ideas are so deep that um, you can almost get lost in them. They're, they're uh, you know, they're very deep ideas. And, you know, what you find out over time is that these ideas are connected to what we're just discovering today in modern science. You know, this idea of hierarchies and how these hierarchies work and how, how people interact. You know, that stuff was all in Sun Tzu 2,500 years ago. You know, there's new science today about the five aspects of personality. Well, Sun Tzu came very close to describing the same thing 2,500 years ago without the computers to figure it all out. So it's kind of an amazing work. You know, the, the fact is, is that when, when people have a mission, um, you know, Sun Tzu said there were five aspects to, that define a competitive position. You know, there's your mission, which is your goals. And you have to have a goal because the same chemicals that regulate our positive and negative moods are tied to making progress toward our goals. Uh, You also have to deal with the ground. The ground is what gives you rewards. Our ground that we compete in is human society and it's other people that can reward us or fight against us or support us. Then you have the climate. Things are always changing. You you were just talking about the newest epidemic, the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that's changing. And the changes in the climate are unpredictable and uncontrollable. And they're also the things that create new opportunities and new threats that you have to protect yourself from. And then you have your personal capabilities, the skills that you've learned over time and your basic personality, you know, what you're really like. And all those things create your, your competitive position. And that position is being judged all the time by other people. And you're judging people all the time. And we all hate to be judged. You hate to be judged. I hate to be judged. But the fact is, is that's the nature of reality. We're all judging one another. And Sun Tzu's system is all about how we get people to judge us better. And we almost think about our position in, in, in competitive strategy. The best way to think about your position is that they're not really judging you. They're just judging what they see of your position. You know, they're judging the things that you're communicating about your position to them. And a lot of it's about you know, what your mission is and 
you know, what kind of character you have and stuff like that. And all that is controllable. I, I think of it like an avatar in a computer game. You know, you're trying to win the computer game and your avatar has certain skills and you manage your competitive position like you manage a, an avatar in a computer game. Only you, you can do that in the real world and you can advance in the real world continually, just like, you know, avatars can advance in computer games. Does he predict things? Is he very prophetic? Um, well, only in the sense that he says that things work a certain way. Um, he actually has um, nine stages he describes that competitive situations go through. And, uh, you know, how to, how to define those situations and how to respond to them. Um, but in, and those situations tend to follow one after another, and they're too complicated to go into now. But he, he, his system does predict certain things, you know, like companies will grow large and then they'll die because of the accumulation of bureaucracies, things like that. Um, he predicts that there's certain things, you know, people that fight all the time, you know, that they're going to expend too, many, too much of their resources on fighting all the time, and they're going to get weaker for it because we all have, you know, unlimited desires, but we only have limited resources, and you have to focus your limited resources on things that you really want and not use them in destructive ways because when you push other people, they're going to push back and you can expend all your resources doing that instead of improving your position. So he really wasn't a champion of battles. He was a champion of talking your way out of it, basically. Well, not it, his, his system is one of positioning. In other words, you try and find positions, and you do this by looking for opportunities. And when an opportunity is, is an opening, an unoc what he called unoccupied ground, that um, others will rather support than oppose. And uh, in, in social context, you know, in the context of our lives today, it means openings are things, are needs that aren't being fulfilled by others. And if you can find a need and fill it with the skills you have, you know, others will support you and uh, they won't fight you. If you try and go after, for example, your boss's position, well, you're going to get all kinds of opposition and run to all kinds of company politics and stuff like that. But if you go to your boss and instead of, you know, like most people go to their boss and they bring them problems. Oh, I need more money. That's a problem. Or this guy's doing this. That's a yeah, problem. Bring them solutions. Yeah, right. Bring a solution. Even even better than bringing a solution is is uh, find out what he's looking for, what his goals are, and help him with what he's trying to do instead of what you're trying to do. Focus on on what the people that can improve your life are looking for, and uh, what's changing around them. You know they're having problems dealing with, and uh, you know use your Use your ability to satisfy those things. I mean, I got into computers. I was in, in consumer product sales, but, you know, computers came in and, you know, salespeople, sales managers had to deal with computer reports and stuff. And I'd learned a little bit about computers in color. So I began helping my boss with, with uh, you know, their, their computer reports and stuff like that, understanding them and understanding how they played a role in sales and stuff like that. And, you know, eventually... You know, that got me promoted in my job. It got me better sales territories. But eventually, I ended up in computers and, uh, you know, learning about working in the computer industry and starting my own software company. And that made a world of difference. Changed your life. Yeah, well, it, 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 it 
did that. It was it was a great experience, great time. And also, I saw that that was an opening. Once more, change is create was what creates opportunities. That was climate is one of the five characteristics of a position. And uh, that new computer technology was just coming out. This is the the mini computer, the microcomputer revolution when the PC was introduced and all that stuff. And there was just there was a lot of openings there. There was a lot of things that needed to be done. And, uh, you know, I was able to start a company that addressed one of those issues. And, you know, there were lots of companies that did the same thing. But, you know, I wasn't trying to be the next, you know, I came from consumer products. I wasn't trying to be the next Procter & Gamble. I was going into a new area where the companies were just being invented. By reading uh, The Art of War, what at what point did you get it and really understand it? Well, I'm still getting things all the time. <laughs> I mean, I was just reading it today, the section on deception and uh, thinking through, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized as you get older, you, you do learn some things, strangely enough. And one yeah, of the things better. I've learned is that, you know, deception doesn't, it doesn't work over time. You know, it, it always fails. You know, everybody gets, you know, nobody gets away with anything in life ever. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.